Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime Podcast. MC here, and I have another special guest with me today, Alan Kale. How are you doing today? I'm fine, Mason. How are you? I'm pulling pretty good. I'm hanging in there, and I'm all happy and ready to talk about an interesting topic. Wonderful. Uh, tell them a little about yourself, what you do, and where they can find you on social media or the website you're known for. My my job title, my profession would be psychology, transpersonal psychology, which deals with the development of the being and the and the identification with the ego and how to separate those two. My clients that I talk to would be public speakers, corporations, engineers, account managers who have to stand up and speak. And for the last 40 years, I've traveled the world, over 60 countries, thousands of people, different continents, watching people speak and and looking at how they speak and how we can make their speaking better. And it turned out there's only one, one tool that if the speaker can do, will transform them from being an amateur, uncomfortable, habitual, conditioned speaker all the way over to a conscious, mindful, professional speaker. And you ask yourself, Mason, well, what's that one tool? That's the ability to pause between the sounds that you speak. And you'll notice the amateur speakers, there's no pause, there's no space, there's no emptiness between this sound and this sound. But a professional, when you listen to see if there's any pauses there, if there's any silence, there's more silence between the sounds than an amateur speaks. A amateur might speak 125 words, 140 words per minute. Whereas if you control the timing, I can speak maybe 70 words per minute or I can speak even more, but I have control of the timing of my speaking. And so that's what we train people on being able to do. And that frees you. It, it's freedom. You, you don't know it. It, it frees you from the, the, the constraints of the ego. And, uh, where can they find you on social media or a website that you know? For? We're on social media, Alan Carroll and Associates. Our website, www.aca mindfulyou.com it's all one word mindful you m-i-n-f-u-l-y-o-u.com okay. and uh let's go today's topic we're doing uh trans psychology and its benefit to learn and uh before we get into that you can go to podcast near you like apple and google podcast for mc anime then we also have www.mcmapodcast.com and we also have Patreon community where you can join and support the team. Further ado, let's get to the today's topic. So, transpersonal psychology. How does that relate and how do you do it? A transpersonal psychologist, I believe, says there is the there's a dimension of consciousness on the other side, a spiritual, there's a spiritual dimension of consciousness, a metaphysical dimension of consciousness. There's the physical reality that we live in, comprised of the earth, the air, the fire, and the water, the four elements. 
Then there's a spiritual dimension of consciousness, which is found in the fifth element. The fifth element of a reality is space. But you can't see space. There's a, there's a space between my hands right now, Mason. But you can't see it. You can't taste it. You can't smell it. You can't feel it. But there's a space between my hands. And when I speak, I can create that space between the sounds that I speak. And anytime I create that space consciously, it wakes me up from the pattern of my thinking, from the pattern of my speaking. It disrupts the pattern of my speaking, the pattern of my thinking, which gets you out of the prison of your, of your thoughts, which are trapping you and causing the suffering. So by just practicing pausing, because then you can relax and you can breathe when you pause because there's now there's a space there that you can tell yourself, Alan, take a breath, Alan, relax your body, and then you can say what you want to say. So you're able to keep your body relaxed as you speak or go through life and having your body relaxed and oxygenated with breath is very healing, very healing for a public speaker, but healing for anyone who wants to reduce the suffering the fear, the anxiety, the agitation that you experience with all these things that are thrown at us every single day. Oh, uh, yeah. And also, you have just as much space as you have sound. When sound vibrates, it creates a vibration. In that vibration, you have the distance and when the sound comes from the transmitter and the medium. So when you think about space, is how far that that sound can travel that's a space in the closure of what the sound can do the there's there's two things the body can do when you speak i'm i blow air out of my body right now i'm blowing air out of my body i'm putting my lips my tongue into a certain position and i'm blowing the air just for the right amount of time just for the the right amount of air to create a vibration the vibration you hear is a sound and then you decode it into oh english sound uh, it's a word i have some idea what alan's talking about yeah and the the amateur speaker can create the vibration but they're not able to create the silence the pause the no vibration and i call that stillness and when you can create the sound and you can create the pause or the no sound then you are able to be grounded and present and mindful in that moment of now and so the goal is to get into this moment of now so that means there's no thought there's the, the mindfulness is being present without judging judging is a thought so you're present without labeling anything we yep. call that in the psychology business we call that not knowing you are you are looking at the moment from an empty place an empty slate you can see it it's like a tabula rasa there's nothing painted on your view of, of the world that you see and so you're listening from not knowing rather than knowing and all that comes with the practice of pausing and then when you pause you also have moments where you have clarity your your lapse in judgment is less and actually you have moments where you can 
have a totally different idea where you can actually be beneficial in the speaking world and how you present yourself in that manner. And when you do that, sometimes taking that moment to think before you speak is that pause and then you speak from what the pause gave you afterwards. The clarity. Exactly. Exactly. When when you pause, you are creating time. Pause for one second, two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. There's a time. There's a time here. Now, in that empty space of time, you then can discover one of these. And this is a command override switch. This allows you to give directions to your body now. You're not just making sound. You're now looking at how I can control the instrument, the body that creates the sound. And so now that I have that space, I can think about, well, what's the next sound I want to make? How do I want to formulate that sound? What gesture do I want to use? How much energy should I speak when I speak? Should I raise my voice or maybe I'm going to bring my voice down? Am I going to take some breath, some oxygen in my body? See, if the sounds are too close together, you can't breathe. But if the sounds are further apart with a pause, there's now an empty space in which you can take a dive into that oxygen and bring that prana power energy into your body. But you can only do that. You can only oxygenate the body. You can only relax the body. You can only ground the body. You can only think about the next thing you want to say if you're able to create the time and no one creates the time mason everybody that everybody doesn't put any cracks at all in the in the time they, they they're not able to pause you can speak but you're not able to pause and so you're playing the speaking game with a handicap yeah when you have the rift in time you also have different elements of when you do it exactly how it happens and also the moment to think about different pitch change in pitch or you can be like very subtle and very soft but you can also be very dramatic and over extend maybe laugh in the middle of it and still catch the same line it really does a good nature to you as a speaker to be able to provide the opportunity to the audience to interact with you and how you do it in that way exactly you got it and with transpersonal psychology, do you believe that in speaking, you become more of a person when you speak, when you find that pause to find the clarity you need? Mindful, spacious speaking, transpersonal psychology, when when you are able to stop, it's like getting on an elevator and going up one, one floor to the transcendent dimension. Uh, 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 it, it's like releasing yourself from the need to defend your point of view. See, the ego is made up of all your thoughts that you have from the beginning of your life to this moment of now, all the thoughts and all the sensations and all the things you've seen and all the things you've tasted, it's all stored in memory. Memory is stored in the past. And what you want to be able to do is be present in this moment of now without judging this moment of now. And so we have to be able to make thoughts disappear. Well, how do you make a thought disappear? You take your attention off of the thought. Whatever thought you're thinking about, take your attention off of it over somewhere else, and you're no longer giving life support to that thought which was so destructive. And 
and now you're giving life support to another thought. And so when in my practice, what I do, which was taught to me by Sadhguru, he calls it sunya meditation, where you close your eyes, you meditate, and you make your thoughts disappear. It's like whack-a-mole at the, at the amusement park. It shows up, you whack it down. It shows up, you whack it down. You whack the thoughts down. And that begins to make those thoughts disappear. And boy, when you can make thoughts disappear, it, 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 it makes you aware that, hey, I can make thoughts. I, I'm, not, I'm no longer the victim of the thoughts that I'm thinking. Well, how do you make the thoughts disappear inside your head? Don't worry about that, Mason. Make the thoughts disappear in your speaking by pausing. If I can make those thoughts disappear, the thoughts inside my head begin to disappear. And that gets you on that road everyone wants to go to of enlightenment. Yeah. And once you've found enlightenment, you can actually speak from the heart. When you do like a ceremonial speech, for example, when you speak from the heart, speak from the moment, speak how you feel, you provide certain elements of sincereness and actually it having meaning. It has meaning. It comes from you personally. You do not have to throw about the topic to rehearse and research and all that stuff. It's coming from the heart. And when you do that, you basically have elements of where you are in, are in control. You provide the experience of what you experience and how you interact with that person in a ceremonial speech in the manner like a toast or, you know, how you knew them, how you relate to them. I did this at a wedding. I did it in the spot of the moment. And when I did it, I just spoke from the heart, spoke from what I experienced through the entire trip, when I went, how I went about it. You know, even though the wedding was a complete mess, I went there for a trip, it became a job. It was chores because I had to round out you know, being bridesmen, how to be interactive in the car ride, go into the suit place, get the groom fitted, then pick up one of the groomsmen from the airport. We already picked one of them up. I would, we basically picked up the groom and the bride from the airport. And it was a crazy experience because now it was a destination wedding. And we're going 14 hours all the way to Michigan for such wedding. It was interesting. I think the most interesting impact I had from it that she knew me such a very long time ago when I was younger, and I got to see her get married, and I went, did not want to miss that opportunity. And she was so powerful of me, being who I am, how I was, and being in a moment I grew up so much, and how I came to be. And when I gave that speech, it was really meaningful when I gave it. Probably the most beneficial experience I had by far was maybe helping all the party favors, getting everything together like labels, packing the s'mores, packing the chocolate, packing the crackers all in a goodie bag for the reception. And I also got to be an honorary bridesman. So I can't complain. And she's really happy to be being there. So I think that is the moment I feel I'm, I'm the strongest. That's great. Yeah, I find that the more, the more you're grounded, the more you're anchored, the more you can pause and bring your energy into your body and connect to the earth, the more authentic 
will be your speaking. And when you speak from the heart, like that lady on the main stage was talking about the three H's, the higher self, the head, the heart. You speak from the heart, that means your energy is in your body. You're not up there, you're in, you're in your body. And pausing is a vehicle that allows you to get into that, that grounded heart, inspirational place inside of you, which is, which is available to everyone. But you, you have to practice pausing. You, pausing is not natural. People speak, 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 speak. They don't pause, 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 pause. You want to be able to combine the two. And in the beginning, imagine you're driving a car and the car has four gears. First, second, third, fourth. You want to stop driving in fourth gear when you speak, throttle back the first gear and see if you can reduce the number of sounds that you make per minute. Rather than 125 to 140 sounds a minute, let's lower it to maybe 70, 75 sounds per minute. Let's drive my speaking in first gear. And if I can keep my body relaxed, no ahs, no uhs, no filler words, pausing, relaxing, keep my body relaxed and speaking, all right, now I'm going to try to increase the speed of my speaking and see if I can keep my body relaxed. And most people speak too much and their body gets tense, which blocks the flow of energy up and down your body. But when you pause, it opens up that flow of energy. Yeah. And in, in, in speaking articulation, we call that fluidity. When you speak, does the person have fluidity? It's space between, between the sounds. And one of the tools that we have is, we call it space, space oil. Just we put the, we put, we put space oil between the sounds that you speak. And that allows them to pause. And it gives them that fluidity piece of articulation. Yeah, I think when you articulate, you think what we're going to say, the sounds you're going to present to the group at hand, but as well, you get a surrealness. You are able to provide a moment in time where they connect to you, where you have your logos, pathos, and ethos. And that as a speaker is very beneficial for the simple fact that when you provide logos, you provide the logic and the reasoning. When you provide pathos, you provide the emotional background, the connection, and the uh, overall attachment to the situation, how they feel. And then the egos is like the credibility, the background necessary, the overall path work and then doing it. And those three, you know, appeals to reason goes to show you that if you practice logos and pathos and ethos, you can identify which one is appropriate for the audience at hand and provide a sense of surrealness for them to connect with. Now, like a commercial, that's informative. You want to use logos as the main reasoning source. When you use a pathos, like a speech, a ceremonial speech is more like emotions connecting to the audience on an emotional level. When you use a, you know, ethos, let's say you're the debate sector. You want to 
go in and know what you're talking about and having the credibility. There's many factors in ethos that's really complicated to a son because of the simple fact that it is a broad category, not like logos and papers. And the ability to choose which one you want to do at that particular time, whether it's pesos, ethos, or logos, whichever, which one are you going to play? Which hand? You're playing cards. Am I going to play the logos? Am I going to play the ethos? Am I which card am I going to play right now? Well, then that, that means you're, you're choosing. And if you pause, it gives you two seconds or three seconds to analyze the situation and decide what's the most appropriate card to play in this situation. And unless you practice the pausing, your reaction to the situation is automatic based on your conditioning. Rather than if you can pause, you can, there may be, yep, I'm gonna, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't think I'm gonna play that card right now. Now you can be more appropriate and what you choose, what card to play in that moment of now, how you want to speak, what you want to say, what is the purpose, what's the intention behind what you want to say? Do you have to say anything? Yeah, sometimes silence is the best answer because it get when you do a silent background, you just say there's no noise. A silent movie is the perfect example. When you put a silent movie, you only have captions. You have special effects and foreshadowing and grayscale and stuff like that. When you do that, the audience only going to know what's on the screen through the actions. So you silently act and so you have to act the part without words. That's kind of hard for people to do. Now, assuming the background of ethos, pathos, and the which card to deal is really up to the moment when you decide to reveal that card Pull the truck up, pull the trick up your sleeve, and present it in a way that you know. If it is non-roundabout method, then you can present it in a better fashion than previously when you were trying to do. That's great. Very nice. So, what are like certain uh, elements of trans psychology, uh, transpersonal psychology that relates to real life rather than just speaking? when you when you look at the moment of now that you're in and let's say you're you're born you live your life and your life's divided into all these segments of now this is a moment of now this is the moment of now this is the moment of now this is the moment of now so you you're swept and what you want to be able to do is enjoy the trip one of the one of the sayings in the buddhist tradition is people have they 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 don't have the ability to feel good on a permanent basis in the moment of now that they're in. So you're not, you might feel good once in a while, uh, you know, those peak experiences, those happy experiences, but then there are the valleys in which you don't feel good. You're not happy, your body's not happy, your thoughts aren't happy, you got grievances, you got complaints, you got issues, you're not enjoying life the way you'd like to enjoy life. Well, that's caused by the ego. And as, and, and so, so wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever age that you are, well, why not want to play the game of life in which you have a feeling of being good on a permanent basis? 
not just once in a while. You permanently feel good in each of the moments of now that you're in. Well, I, I'll, I'll vote for that. That sounds pretty good to me. Well, how do you how do you do that? You you do that by by being able to meditate, close your eyes, and begin to create some distance between the thoughts that you think. And that distance creates the observer. You're able to observe the thought. And and you can't manage something that you can't observe. But if I can observe the thought that's coming up right now, I can observe the emotion that's coming up right now. I can observe because I've created and been practicing creating a space by pausing. Now I no longer need to take that one and, and use it. I can say, hey, being angry right now, my ego wants to be angry. I really feel righteous and that person's really a bad, I don't like it at all. But I realize that the anger is self-destructive to my physical body. And so I'm not going to get angry. So you begin to manage your emotions and that manages the chemical changes in your body. And so you end up with a healthier body, which is uh, you'll enjoy the trip on, on your life if you're physical. So pausing, mindfulness, transpersonal psychology gives you a healthy body, healthy emotions, physical relaxation, mental clarity, mental balance. And it just is a, 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 a place of satisfaction. Yeah, pretty much. When you do your emotional state, it dictates how your body feels. When you're in stress, anger, all the negative emotions, when your body goes to go about it, it feels pain. When you're in the pain receptors, so the initial impact of like someone hitting you can be a similar impact as being angry. The reason why it has that effect is your brain can't differentiate between the difference of pain and the actual negative emotion that the chemical imbalances is causing in the body. So as a result, it is basically dealt as pain in the corner of your brain where pain is received. So when the transmitter comes in, how you feel, that is a pain receptor and then how's it next to the body and the brain. Something to add to that, Mason, is you, you look at the moment of now that you're in and you take a, you, 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 you look at the moment of now and you, and you paint on the, in your mind's eye inside your head, what you see. I see Mason. I see the hat. I see the color of the room. Oh, I like the hat. No, I don't like this. This is good. This is bad. This is right. This is wrong. And so I have a snapshot of what I see in this moment of now. And I paint it with my thoughts. And so I am painting right now the meaning that this moment of now has for me in my reality. And once I paint it, then that's the reality in which I see. So if I paint you as a nice person, if I paint you as a bad person, then I say, I don't want to go to dinner with you. So people don't realize the power of the thinking, the power of the painting. And so in mindfulness, you go to the moment of now and you realize that I can paint it any way I want to. And so why not paint it with love? 
and compassion and joy rather than paint it with, well, I want my point of view to win and I want you to lose and this is good and this is bad, this is right, this is wrong, it's appropriate, it's inappropriate. Then you live in a world of, of judgment. And that judgment is what, in mindfulness, you're trying to be able to step out of judging. And a judgment is a thought. And so you want to be in the moment without thinking. And that means there's no thought. That means it's clear. It's canvas. There's nothing on the canvas. And that's not knowing. And that would be the psychological space you want to enter into every moment of now as if you don't know. Now you're curious. You're wondering. You're a possibility. You don't use the past to judge the present. Past is in the past, never to be remembered again. You want to be right here in this moment of now. And, and without the thought, you're in the space of creation. You are, you're creating it. Yeah. You're, you're not saying, oh, I know. No, you don't know. You, you, well, I don't know anything. Unless you're creating. I an experience it, and in a way I can relate back to the subject at hand, provide the experience I had before, and then let people elaborate on that experience to tell me more. That's the only thing I can do in that moment. Now, when you are like that observant and get yourself together, you do have a moment of, of collectiveness. You collect yourself. How are you going to say? What are you going to do? And that perception does leave a better impression than, say, not knowing what you're going to do and just winging it. Not everyone can unorthodoxly just come up with something on the fly it has to be natural. You cannot just let it be artificial. It has to be coming from you and what you can relate to the situation. Yep, I like I like the word natural. And when I'm training speakers, Mason, the things we ask them to do like pause and breathe and relax your body, at first it's very unnatural. It's not natural to stop speaking. I'm here to speak. I'm not here not to speak. And so you begin to modify your behavior. You begin to do a research project. Well, I don't know if this pausing thing works. I don't know if it doesn't work. I'll, I'll just do what Alan says. I'll just pause, relax and breathe and watch the video because we videotape them in the beginning. You videotape them all the way through and you can see the transformation of their speaking, the transformation, and they become more relaxed, and they become more present, and the whole experience of, of public speaking, which has a lot of fear and uncomfortableness and embarrassment in, in, in involved in it, becomes much easier. And the, the key that I, I tell people is, is, number one, have you earned the right to speak? Do you have a story? Is it real? Do you really have a story to tell? Is there something, do you have value that you can bring to the table? If you don't have experiences or depth of knowledge about the subject matter that you want to influence people on, then you're standing on thin ice and you could easily fall through. But if you have years of experience, the ice is thick. And that gives you confidence to throw your thought with power.
because you're not afraid. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the more years you build up, the more things you do, that builds to your experience. Yep. And with personal experience, you can elaborate on learning more. You don't know enough. Learn more about the topic. That can be really beneficial because it provides not only, you know, ethos, but it also provides some logos. And you can also provide pathos and how you how your experience was. You can combine all of that into one segment into how you are as a being. Now, let's say me. I was maybe, you know, absorbing you, for instance. Seeing how Alan speaks, seeing his demeanor, seeing where he was going in the conversation, seeing what I wanted to talk about. That is kind of what I've been doing. And I've been doing it. And it feels really good to do that because it gives you a connection based from the previous self. Okay, what can I say from the previous conversation? Does it elaborate on what I said before? Was it totally a new subject? That is the connection that people build. And that connection in speaking provides more connection in the overall scheme of things for the simple fact that you are there, you are talking, and you're continually going to talk maybe for an hour, 60 minutes. Maybe you're there for the entire day. Just take different days to recalibrate and recalibrate what you're going to do and how you're going to feel. So what has been my demeanor towards you in this experience right now that you absorb from transpersonal psychology? Use me as an example. So the question you're asking me again, Mason, how is- has I been in this interview with you from your expert opinion in transpersonal psychology? Was I a good speaker? Was I connected to you? Did I build on topics and ideas that you had before? Stuff like that. The, the dance between your energy and my energy, the back and the forth, the throwing the ball that way, you're throwing the ball this way, I'm catching it, you're catching it. We're throwing the balls back back and forth in our communication. An important part of the game is listening. And so you have the ability to listen to what the other person is saying. And that makes the person feel that their words have been heard. So an amateur speaker, amateur listener doesn't listen very well. Whereas a professional communicator not only can clearly articulate their thoughts, but can also listen to what the other person has to say. And that is uh, usually something that's weak in people. People usually aren't very good listeners because in order to listen, you have to give up your point of view because you're, what you say, I may not agree with. And if I don't agree with it, it's a threat to my ego my identity and so i want to defend and tell you you're wrong and and you need to fix that because it's not right well that's my judgment but a professional listener is not interested in right or wrong it's interested in the ability to 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 move around the circle see the see the issue from 360 different points of view rather than my point of view is the right point of view and the other 359 points of view They're wrong. They need to come over to my point of view. 
So you have the ability for that flexibility to go around the circle, which is which is very nice. You need to discern certain attributes of whether I'm right or am I wrong, or are you both? You can be right and wrong at the same time for the simple fact you might be saying something that may connect to someone, but you also might be saying it in a way that's not necessarily beneficial. You can say it in a different way, but still say have the same meaning. The challenge with right and wrong is that it's often a moral issue. What you think is right, the, what what God says in the good book, this is this is what. And if you don't do what the Ten Commandments say, you don't do what these people say, then you are a sinner. Now that's a moral issue, and that that is that. And a moral issue comes out of the garden in which you were raised. If it was I raised in the United States? Was I raised in India? Was I raised in Russia? Was I raised by this kind of a family? Was I raised by this kind of a family? So whatever garden you were raised in produces the opinions and thoughts that you have. In in our day and age, you'd ask yourself, what media do you watch? Do you watch CNN or do you watch Fox News? And you watch you you you'd ask the person and by telling me what you watch is what you're being programmed to believe. And so, hey, I believe this is right because I'm a CNN, but I believe this is right. I'm a Fox. No, this is this is wrong. This, and so people have are exposed to different programming and they are trapped in that programming. But they don't they don't know it until you can make the programming dissolve a little bit by erasing with pauses the sounds and now you are more relaxed and more present and you're not contaminating the moment with all these thoughts and one thing about thoughts that I that was Eckhart Tolle talked about he says you 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 want you are still everything is still and when you start to get something that you don't like, something's wrong in your reality, you get upset, you get agitated, it stirs things up. Well, when you're still and you're pausing, everything becomes relaxed again. And so as you practice that pausing we're talking about, that breathing, that stillness, it allows you to be physically more relaxed. And that's very healing to your physical body. It's healing to your emotional body. It's healing to your mental body, which allows you to access your spiritual, your spiritual body. Very relaxing, very breathing, very spacious. And that is a wonderful place to visit, a wonderful place to to be, because you are relaxed and calm. Whereas other people are anxious and nervous, Mason is relaxed and calm. Yeah. And you also have to know at the moment which attribute are you at the moment? Are you the calm person? Are you the loud person? Are you the crazy person? Or are you the person just being there, watching as an innocent bystander, knowing how you're going to go about yourself, how you're going to be, also present yourself in a simple way that's understand by the audience. What the audience understands about you is what you give them to understand about your body language, how you go about, how you, you know, are you pacing around the stage? Are you talking with your hands? 
are you bringing forth a continuity to connect in a way that's not distracting, that is getting the message clear? Is it in a clear format and where you are communicating what you're trying to actually say? Now, are you going off topic? All of that has to be considered when an audience is in front of you or when you're in public just acting the way you usually are. Because sometimes when they interact with you, you might cross paths with a such person and now they are now in your inner circle in that moment. So how you act in the moment is also the humming of who you want to be and how you react. That's true. That's true. There's a big difference between uh, uh, reacting and responding. So reacting is the event happens in your movie, the reality in which you live, you're walking, someone cuts you off on the freeway. Uh, immediate reaction is, so that's your reaction to that to that event. But as you practice pausing and creating space, what happens is the event of the person cutting you off happens and you notice the energy starting to churn in your body and the thoughts and the anger and the upset and wanting to knock the person off the road. But you notice that, you observe it and say, hey, that's probably, it may not even be true. Maybe they're going to their hospital, their wife is pregnant, they're going to be delivered. You don't know why they're going fast. And you're able to realize that it, it's not healthy to have that interpretation. It's not healthy to, to, to paint that, that interpretation of what's going on in my movie right now. And so now you have control of the paintbrush, how you want to paint it. And the ego wants to paint it with being right, with, with grievances and complaints about everything. Whereas the being wants to paint it in a way that is relaxing, peaceful, joyful, compassionate, inclusive, rather than separation. And one thing before we go is the idea that the thoughts you think create the emotions that you feel. If I'm painting my if I'm painting a picture of this moment of now that you're a nasty person. Now once I've painted the picture, then I feel the energy of being nasty. He's a nasty person and I'm going to be nasty back because that's what I do. So I I painted it nasty person and then the emotions that come with nasty person began to bubble up but if I painted it differently, I wouldn't have had those emotions. But you don't know you have control of the way you paint it. You think it's, it's it, you, you're, I know they're a nasty person. So you, no, they're not a nasty person, but you paint it that way. You have control of the paintbrush. Yep. I think I agree. When you're in control, you perceive how you see them but also in that perception of you, also their perception of yourself is a two-way street. They perceive you, you perceive them, and it keeps going in a repeated cycle for the simple fact that's how we see the world. We see what is happening, we paint the picture, we control the narrative, if we yep. want to say that, Right, right. And yeah, also, the narrative is a good word. Yeah. And 
where we paint the narrative depicts what is actually happening. But just because you have a certain narrative, you have bias in that narrative. Yep. And first-hand evidence when they use uh, personal uh, testimony, like the first primal text document, there's always some bias in that because the perception is not always the same as someone else's. Yep. That's why when they use primary source documents, you learn what the background was, who they were, what they were experiencing at the time, and then you go read the document because you understand certain things what they're trying to say beforehand. Yep. That make that makes sense to me. So I I'm I'm in alignment. I'm in alignment with that. And uh is there any final thoughts as we wrap up this episode of trans personal psychology and it's been I've been practicing the pausing technique with audiences for 40 years and the ability to pause and create those gaps between the sounds that you speak just practice you know five minutes a day in front of the mirror so it becomes more natural and then bring those pauses into your professional speaking for sure when you're professionally speaking in front of audiences, not when you're at home with the family, petting the dog and the cat, but when you want to articulate your thoughts, the key differentiator between the amateur speaker and the professional speaker is the ability to control the timing, the pausing of their speaking. And if you can do that, it transforms your whole narrative that you, that you write about the moment of now that you paint about the moment of now that you're in and gives you power, gives you power. It's like a superpower. No, it is. I agree with that statement. The reason is you you are perceptive to what is happening. How you perceive it is how you perceive it. How the people perceive you is also their own perception. And one thing I've learned from this, you take yourself See how you apply to them and see how they apply to you. Yep. That will open a more clear understanding of what is going on in the present moment and your ability to react in a calm, fashion manner. Yep. You so, got it. As we wrap this up, I thank you for being here. Thank and, you. Uh, before we go, you can go to check us out the podcast near you, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can go to support us more specifically at www.mcanimepodcast.com. And you can join us on the Patreon community where we have different tiers to support the podcast. You can contribute ideas, cover art design, guest appearances, sponsorship, and more on that platform at Blog MC Anime on Patreon. And uh, before we go, one final attempt of Alan Kale. How, where they can find you, Alan? My website is www.acamindfulu.com. That's our website. All right. Thank you so much. For and we're also, on web, we're also on the social media. So Alan Carroll and Associates LLC, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. We're, we're over there, too. Thanks for being here, and uh, this concludes the episode of Transpersonal Psychology and its Benefits. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Mason. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.